Good morning, everyone. We are so glad you're here to worship with us. And good morning to those who are watching online as well. Um, And if you're watching online, write something in the comments so we know that you are with us. So next Sunday, all right, don't come here at this time. You want to show up here at 11. We're going to have a combined service next week. Um, So join us at 11 next week. It's going to be great. Um, And that'll be a traditional led service, and you're going to love it. Um, the GFUMC Lunch Brunch uh, for Young Adults and Families is meeting on July 10th, and that's going to be, uh, where is Jay? July 10th at 1230, and it's going to be at the alley. So if you have not been to the alley, it is awesome. I was just telling Joni how much I love the alley. So really cool place to go bowling and eat, and you will have a great time. And uh, we also have acolyte training for our kids that day, too. It's going to be awesome, isn't it, Catherine? So show up at the alley. I know it says young adults and families. If you uh, have passed the age of young adult, just pretend and show up. It's going to be awesome. Young at heart. Young at heart. There you go. So you're all invited. So uh, Pastor Sam has a Bible study on Wednesdays at 11 in person, and it's pretty amazing. Number one Bible study in the um, southeast. And If you can't come in person on Wednesday mornings, you can watch it online Wednesdays nights at 6. And my last announcement is July 1st, our Salvation Army uh, Christmas stockings are going to be available. We love Christmas in July at Gadsden First. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship this morning. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and sing with us? Christ be magnified. 
see all of you here with us this morning.
You may be seated, uh, except for the children, because they're going to go with Miss Catherine. They're going to have fun in Children's Church, and there she go. So you want to go to Children's Church? All right. I want to go to Children's Church. Can I just go to... <laughs> All right. I want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, and I want to say shout out, because I know we have people in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, worshiping with us. Hey, cuz. So uh, I'm glad that, that you're able to do that. Uh, you're also able to give online. This is our time of giving. Thank you for your generosity. I want to tell you um, our grand total for our offering for our annual conference this year was $4,000 we gave to the Ukrainian refugee effort through UMCOR. Give yourself a hand. And one of the things I love about being United Methodist is our connectionalism. And uh, together, the North Alabama Conference gave $61,000 as an offering this year at annual conference to go through UMCOR directly to the relief for Ukrainian refugees, plus another 100000 that had already been given by United Methodists across North Alabama. So we are representing and the help for Ukrainian refugees, and thank you for that. Uh, because you give, we're able to do things like that. We're able to do things like uh, children's ministry and youth ministry and, and all of the different things that we do. So thank you. And let's pray now. Lord, we are thankful that we have a chance to 
to give. We're thankful that we have a chance to serve because that's what you've called us to do. We have uh, love in our hearts, Lord, and love is not love until we give it away. So we, we want to give our lives, we want to give our tithes and offerings, all in a way that honors you and lifts your name above all names. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
We had several worship experiences at annual conference this week, and we had we had some good music. There was a, a good praise band that, that played, but I, I found myself thinking, you know what? They're not a bit better than our praise band. We get to hear every Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62 will be our gospel reading today, and um, you can follow along on the screen up there if you'd like to. But Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts, his, puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was watching a basketball game one time during NCAA tournament time. Uh, and that's, y'all, I know I'm not a big basketball fan because that's about the only time I watch college basketball is during the t uh, NCAA tournament. But just judge me if you will. But that's what I was doing. And it was one of those um, matchups that was like David Goliath, you know, Cinderella kind of matchups where the small team and small college and, and the big, much bigger, much stronger, much taller team. And, and, um, but the smaller team was using every trick in their bag. They were out hustling. They were using their speed. They were using full court press. They were using fast break. And they, were, they, had just, they just totally threw the big team off of their game. And by the end of the first half, the small team was up by 10 points and their fans were just going nuts and the commentators were like oh we didn't expect this you know I mean and everybody was like wow wow this is going to be the biggest upset of the tournament but the team that came out in the second half was almost just like a different team and and the team that went into the locker room leading by 10 points came out the second half and you know what they did? They decided to play it safe. 
they, they had a 10-point lead, and they wanted to hold on to that lead. So they just, no more full-court press on defense, no more fast break on offense. They just, they just came down slowly and tried to set up their play and everything and uh, sit on their lead. I'll bet you can guess what happened. They got tromped by the other team. They got beaten like a drum because in the first half, they were playing to win. In the second half, they were playing not to lose. See the difference? Yeah. So you and I, kingdom people, followers of Jesus that we are, there's a couple of different ways we could play that. You know, we want to follow Jesus. We could follow Jesus like we're playing to win, or we could follow Jesus like we're playing not to lose. Um, I like to use sports references, as you may have noticed. Um, today was basketball. It wasn't baseball. Surprise. But I'm not the first one to do that. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing his letters, he used sports references a lot. Especially when he was writing to the church in Corinth. Because Corinth was, we think we're big sports fans. They were huge sports fans. You know Greece, the Olympics. Well, in the city of Corinth had the Isthmian Games. And it was second only to the Olympic Games in Athens. And, and they were all about the sports. And so Paul wrote to them trying to explain to them how they needed to play to win. And here's what he said, 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run but only one gets the prize? Run, Paul says, catch this, run in such a way that you might win. Don't just go for a participation trophy. You know, don't just play not to lose, play to win. Because we're following Jesus. And if we stay close to Jesus, well then, Jesus didn't play it safe. The very first verse I read in the gospel reading in Luke chapter 9 says, when the time was approaching for Jesus to be taken up. Last week I preached on Elijah, and I love preaching on Elijah. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. This is a connection. This shows how that you can't read the New Testament without reading it through the eyes of the Old Testament and vice versa. This is connected to Elijah. How, was, how did Elijah go to heaven? He was taken up into heaven, okay? So time was come for Jesus to be taken up, but we know what that means, don't we? We have the benefit of knowing what that means. We know that to be taken up for Jesus meant to be going to Jerusalem. It meant to, to be betrayed. It meant to, to go uh, be arrested and, and falsely accused. It meant to be going through a sham trial, to be, to be beaten, to be mocked, to be scourged, to be nailed to a cross, to die for our sins and to rise on the third day. That's what it meant. All of that. And yet this is what it says. He set his face toward Jerusalem. His disciples must have been saying, at least under their breath, doesn't he know that there are people there that want to kill him? Maybe we could just kind of lay low until all of this kind of blows over, you know, this. But Jesus set his face. Now, I don't, that's not something we say a lot today, but you, do you know what I mean when I say somebody sets their face? Um. 
I think the best example I can tell you, it comes from my experience in horse riding. My limited, very, very limited experience horse riding. Because, yes, I grew up on a farm, but I didn't ride horses. I rode dirt bikes. You know, I, I did, we drove cattle with my dad's GMC truck, okay? That's, that's the way we did things. We didn't have horses. But one day when I was, one time when I was in college, a bunch of buddies said, hey, I know this guy that has a farm. He's got horses. Let's go horseback riding this weekend. And I thought, yeah, okay. So we went, we go to this big barn. He's got a horse bar. He's got several horses there. And I, I began to sweating because I could just see myself getting thrown like a rodeo clown or something, you know. And so I went up to the guy that owned the horses and I said, I want the oldest, calmest, gentlest horse you have. And he said, I got you. And he pointed. And I got this beautiful old mare. And she looked at me with those big, you know how horses look at you, with those eyes that just see right into your soul. She looked at me and she went like this, you know. And I said, she said, and I said, yeah, calm. We got on. <clears throat> Everything was fine. We're going across the pasture. And I'm thinking, you know, I can get used to this. If there had been people around, if I'd had a cowboy hat, I would have been tipping it going, howdy, howdy. Because it was, you know, I was, we go over the hill, we go down by the far fence on the farm underneath this shade tree, and it's a horse apple tree. Do y'all know what horse apples are? They're also called Osage oranges. They don't look like an apple or an orange. They're this green, bumpy, ugly-looking thing, you know, does anybody know what horse apples are? Okay, some of you do. The, the, the more worldly of y'all know what horse apples are. But horses like to eat them, <clears throat> but you can't let them eat too many of them or they get colic. I have been told by horse people. So our horses ate a couple of those horse apples. They were happy. We were happy. We turned around. We started going back. Everything was working out great. Me and the mare, we, got, we had our, our connection. You know, I was the horse whisperer until we topped the hill and until that horse saw the barn and once the horse saw the barn she transformed from gentle mare into racehorse she set her face to the barn and she was running and I did not know how to react. I was bouncing around on the back of that horse like a city slicker. I was yelling, whoa. I was yelling, stop, gee, haw, er, everything I could think of. I was pulling on the reins. It did not matter. I was either going to be on along for the ride or I was going to have to jump off. And I just decided to be on for the ride. Because there was no stopping her. She had set her face. Now, when it says Jesus set his face to Jerusalem... Think about that. No, it was like that. Nobody was going to stop him. Nobody was going to distract him. Nobody was going to get him to go off on a side road because he had set his face. And the disciples were either going to be along for the ride or they were going to bail off. Now, plenty of them bailed. They could not handle it. Plenty of the followers of Jesus bailed. Look, there were more than just 12 followers. Plenty of them bailed. But if they were going with him, if they were sticking with him, they were going to Jerusalem. And it was not. Even the route that Jesus took to get to Jerusalem was risky. And by that I mean it was the most direct 
route, sure, from Galilee to Jerusalem, the most direct route was through Samaria, but no Jewish person in their right mind wanted to go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, if this was the direct route, they would go all the way around so that they could avoid going through Samaria. And I don't know how to say this any other way except to say it was because they hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated them. And to understand that you have to go back way, way back years and years ago to discover why this animosity between Samaritans and Jews were so strong. Part of it was tied to race, part of it was, was, was tied to religion, and part of it had just gotten just downright personal over the years. Now, the part that was tied to race was because the, the Samaritans came from the group that was left behind in Jerusalem when the exile took place. Remember the exile took place and the Jews were carried off into exile in Babylon, and the ones that were left behind intermarried with other foreigners, okay, while they were there. And their children were the Samaritans, and they were considered half-breeds, so it was a racial thing. They were considered not of pure breed. So the Jews in that sense were Samaritan-phobic. I don't know if that's a word. It is now because I just made it up. They were Samaritan-phobic because they, of the race. Uh, they were considered unclean half-breeds. It was religious because the Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim. They had a temple on Mount Gerizim. They didn't go to Jerusalem. They worshipped at Mount Gerizim. They thought that was the right place to worship. And then it was just personal because over the years, if you go long enough, just considering this, this other group over here, your enemies, this other group over here is unclean, this other group over here is less than human. Oh, you hate us? Well, we hate you. We hate you more. Oh, you want to, leave, you want to exclude us? Well, we don't want to be around you either. And that was the kind of way things were. And Jesus set his face purposely to go right smack through Samaria. So he sent messengers ahead into the village to kind of prepare the way, to kind of extend the hand of friendship. Hey, we're coming through. Jesus is coming through. We're going to Jerusalem. We might want to spend the night here. What do you think? And the village, the Samaritan village said, I don't think so. One, we don't have anything to do with Jews because y'all don't want to have anything to do with us. And two, Jesus has his face set to Jerusalem, and we're not about going to Jerusalem. So uh, thank you, but no thanks. And the messengers he sent were James and John. James and John, their nickname was the Sons of Thunder. Imagine you had two boys, and they were always fighting, and they were hotheads. And they were always kind of getting into trouble. And their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder. Just old rough fishermen. James and John said, Jesus, you want us to call fire down from heaven and burn up this village. Now, again, connection to the Old Testament. Again, connection to Elijah. Because if you go back and you look in Scripture, Elijah called fire down from heaven and, and burned up enemies. 
But the question is not whether it's in the Bible. The question is whether it's in Jesus. I'll say that again because it's important. The question is not whether you can find it in the Bible. The question is, can you find it in Jesus? And you know what Jesus said? Jesus rebuked them. He didn't rebuke the Samaritans. He rebuked James and John. He said, you don't know what spirit you're talking from. We'll just go on. We'll go into another village. The fire that Jesus called from heaven on the day of Pentecost was not a destroying fire. It was a fire that filled hearts with love. It was a fire <clears throat> that burned away the chaff. It was a fire that took hearts that were cold toward the other and strangely warmed them. When Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you're going to be my witnesses. He said, yeah, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea. Judea? Those are a bunch of country bumpkins. Yeah, Judea. And in Samaria. Samaria? Yes, in Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth. That's what the fire that Jesus called down from heaven did. Avoiding the other. Playing it safe. Playing not to lose. That's not the way of Christ. And by the way, it's not our Methodist heritage either. John Wesley knew that we don't all think alike. He said, he said this one time. I really, you don't hear this quote very much. He said, I have no more right to object to a man holding a different opinion from mine than I do to object to the way he wears his hair differently than me. John Wesley had long hair, by the way. He had long hair because he decided that paying for a haircut was, was too much and he could give that money to the poor. So that's why he had long hair. Did you know that? Trivia. Trivia question. So he said, the thing I resolve to do is to use every possible method in presenting narrowness of spirit, uh, of spirit and party zeal. The miserable bigotry which makes so many unready to believe that there's any work of God but among themselves. We think, John Wesley said, and let think. Now, is that easier said than done? Oh, my goodness, yes. Right? Because it's natural for us to want to distrust the other. It's natural for us to honestly want to kind of circle the wagons to play it safe. But playing it safe isn't following Jesus. But that makes me uncomfortable, Pastor Sam. Yeah, well, join the club. Makes me uncomfortable, too. Makes me uncomfortable, too. Y'all know, um, maybe you know, that this past week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, Pastor Andy and I and uh, our two lay delegates were went to annual conference along with all the other clergy and laity from North Alabama and we went to Huntsville to the Von Braun Center. It was our first in-person annual conference in three years. So normally I always look forward to annual conference and I always kind of get excited about it and you would think after not being able to be in person for three years that I would be just just super excited. Um, but I wasn't. 
I'm just being honest with you. Because a lot has happened over the last three years. Not just the pandemic, but there's been, there's been a lot of like political and racial and religious animosity and, and animosity within our own denomination. And going into annual conference this year, I remember just walking in there and for the first time ever, I just felt just super awkward and tension. And I felt like that there were people that were looking at me kind of like with sideways glances. And I was kind of looking at them with sideways glances. It just, it looked the same, you know. The characters looked the same, but the vibe was different. Y'all know what I'm saying? The vibe was different. And what it reminded, it, it was sort of like going to a family reunion for your spouse's family after your spouse just filed for divorce. That's what it felt like. And I wasn't the only one. There was this group huddled over here, this group huddled over there, and kind of looking at each other as if, okay, you're Samaritan, I'm Jew, or you're Jew, I'm Samaritan. The opening clergy session, <clears throat> I don't know if this was intentional or if it just happened that way. We were all crammed in this smaller ballroom at the Von Braun Center. <clears throat> and I mean, it was crammed in there, wasn't it, Pastor Andy? We were shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip, like you're riding on a commercial airliner, except you didn't have armrests, that kind of close. And we were being led, and all this tension was in the room. We were being led and worshipped by this poor guy with a guitar, just one guy with a guitar up there trying his best to lead us in worship. And I'm just, I'll just be honest with you, I did not feeling like, I did not feel like standing up and worshiping at the time because, honestly, I had anger in my heart towards some of the people in that room. I'm confessing to you. I'm not proud of it, but I had anger in my heart towards some of the people in the room and some of the snarky remarks that had been made over the last three years. And I went into that service not with a... Wesleyan strangely warmed heart I went into that service with a cold cold heart and it wasn't exactly like I was saying Lord I'm calling fire down from heaven to burn up my enemy it wasn't exactly like that but it really it wasn't true fellowship and at the end of that clergy session the bishop got all of us to stand up and the bishop choked up with tears in her eyes said I want you to look around this room uh, because as we sing our closing song look around this room because a lot of the people that you see in here this year are not going to be there next year because I know that some of you are leaving some of you are discerning to leave our denomination I didn't look around I, I don't know what Pastor Andy did I couldn't see him I didn't look around I, I looked down and I sort of pulled myself into my shell like a turtle, you know. So, over the next three days, I prayed a lot. 
And fire did come down from heaven, but it was not the destroying kind. It was the kind that melted my heart. It was the Holy Spirit kind. And before the end of annual conference, I was hugging people that I had gone in there mad at. And I said some apologies to some people that needed to be said. And I, I wished them well. The fire of the Holy Spirit melted the ice in my heart. And I really started to be able to participate in worship. And I really did listen with my heart. So... The reports, um, and usually reports are the kind that, that make you want to squirm and think, is there anywhere I can, is there any excuse I have to get up and leave? Can I pretend to take a fake phone call so that I can get out of this? Uh, that's part of annual conference. But on Friday morning, it wasn't like that. Our conference lay leader is... is um, Dr. Lisa Keys Matthews, and some of y'all know, some of y'all on the vision team and they've been going through ICNOS know Lisa Keys Matthews is one of, was one of them. She's our conference lay leader. And she got up and gave a report that was, I mean, she's not a preacher. She's a layperson. But that, she gave the most powerful, moving sermon that I'd heard. It was, it was amazing. And then Tony Jones from Sumatongo, y'all know Tony, He's, he is a, a, a bubbling mess of excitement. He, gave, he got up and gave a report on Camp Sumatonga. And after both of those, we, we got up and, and gave standing ovations. It was, it was just powerful. And then we had our mission report and we had a, a commissioning service for these, these two people that I knew that were about to go to, to Zambia as missionaries. And then we had the guy that did our statisticians report was so excited. I thought he's going to have a stroke. And then we had report from the Methodist home on, on Asians and the report on the Society of St. Andrews. And the one resolution that was really going to be contentious really didn't, didn't it, it was like, the Holy Spirit had kind of melted everything. And it wasn't nearly as contentious. It was kind of like, why are we arguing? Honestly. Um, during that time, I was able to talk with the person next to me. Uh, who, she and her husband have a mission in Birmingham called the House of Restoration and I was able to listen to the person give a report on the Society of St. Andrew which I kind of knew something about but I didn't and then Tony reminded us about camp and I was thinking you know I want to go back to camp and do another work day and I was thinking you know I really want us to do a, maybe a potato drop or something with the Society of St. Andrew and I was thinking I want, I want to introduce Andy to this, this couple in Birmingham that's doing an inner city mission called the House of Restoration 
And, and then Joe and Ashley Riddle, the couple I was telling you about that were going to, they're going to Lucasa near Zan in the area of Zambia. And they're going to be supporting churches there and taking volunteer and missions teams. And I was thinking, maybe we could go to Zambia on a mission trip. Wouldn't that be cool? See, I kind of went in there wanting to play it safe. But God showed up. And it turned into holy conferencing. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like next year. I'm sure it'll look very different. But in the meantime... I'm committed that Gadsden First United Methodist Church is going to play to win. Gadsden First United Methodist Church is going to keep our hand to the plow and not look back. We are going to, God as my witness, keep our laser focus on sharing Christ and making disciples and serving and giving hope. Because followers of Jesus don't play not to lose. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's our desire to follow you. And you remind us that sometimes it's not an easy thing to do. As a matter of fact... Sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes we want to postpone things and you say, nope, come along now. And sometimes we want to get distracted and we want to play it safe. And, but you remind us, Lord, that the whole point is to follow you. And that there's really only two choices. We can stay close to you or we can bail and go our own way. Help us as individuals, help us as a church to stay close to you, to play to win. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me as we worship? Just blood of Jesus Christ.
Jesus and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy
Now go in peace, but don't go to pieces. And take care, but also take risks. In Jesus' name.